This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Shake Them Ropes. My name is Chris Novembrino. I am joined, as always, to talk all of the grabs of world wrestling and heavy emphasis on the E, which stands for entertainment. Jeff Hawkins, how are you? Are you not entertained this week? Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Um, I'm doing well. Uh, are you doing entertained? I am doing well. I'm I'm slightly entertained. I'm entertained by the stuff that inter- entertains me. I am not by the stuff that does not entertain me. How about that? Well, that's very vague and also always yes. applicable. So save that take. It's an evergreen one. <laughs> Chris, I watched this NXT this week, and it was supposed to be the go home show for takeovers, which are supposed to be important and exciting, and, and it, make me want to go and watch the pay per view. And on paper, it's a great card. But this NXT felt like a Nitro in 1997, in which they're plugging everything for next week. But also, you got to watch this show on Sunday. And I don't know if it's just a generational thing, but even then, I didn't like that because for these big events, you think, well, what if the entire paradigm shifts? In this in this promotion with everybody winning these matches, they gave no tease of that future. That that I think is yeah. the biggest indictment of this go home show on NXT this week. It's that I did not leave that show on Wednesday with any sense that there was going to be any meaningful or impactful or landscape altering thing happening here at Takeover Portland. And it maybe makes me think we'll do one potential belt change, not Adam Cole, probably not Adam Cole. I guess we can talk about that in the previews here. But like, I don't think anything big's going to come out of this show. I don't know how you would have watched Wednesday with and left with an impression of, wow, this takeover is going to be must-see. I, I, I don't feel like that at all. I mean, even all of the challengers being built up for their title matches are being built like challengers who are going to lose. They cannibalized the rumble takeover to do worlds collide because I guess they, they, because they wanted to do, they wanted to see if takeovers could exist on their own outside of major events. That's great. The problem is when you do one and it's obvious that a lot of your planning is looking ahead to the takeover mania weekend then this just it feels like you're just doing a show that you're telling us in a in its own way this really doesn't matter compared to the stuff you're going to see week to week on NXT. It would be fine if this was a transitional show and we did one title change but you had a real sense of narrative going throughout this entire show. And so it was a fun watch because they really told a tale on the show and they might still do that in the late final rewrite of takeover who knows but you didn't leave wednesday with that impression for sure yeah the card the card itself is going to be great um 
it's just one of those things where now that we have national TV for two two hours a a, a week, it feels like the booking isn't as crisp because they haven't been editing it to make sure that it's a build to this takeover. I'm more worried that we've lost long-term booking. So that lack of crispness is because we don't know how long we're keeping the undisputed era on top angle going. We don't know when we're getting off. We don't know what getting off of that angle looks like. We don't know where the heat transfer is going. I think those are the things that I'm concerned about now. And and we'll get to that in our preview because there, there's a lot to be a little concerned about uh, within this, especially uh, for me personally. I, I think they've really blown a lot about this NXT women's division booking uh, because they didn't quite think it all the way through. Um, but uh, 857 or it was 817 to 757,000 between NXT and AEW this week. Yikes, that's an overall number drop, right? Yes, the numbers are dropping. AEW is still quote unquote winning this war against a third brand of WWE. If you want to, if you want to call it a war, sure. Um, AEW show I thought was pretty darn good this week. Um, had a friend who was there live, uh, who had a really fun time there in Austin. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, it's weird. AEW is a hotter product, but it's still, if, if you put a main roster WWE show against it, it would still beat it. That's, that's the weird thing about this entire war narrative is that it's, it's kind of a secondary skirmish. Where does it track to TNA at its height of powers in like the, not even the last decade, the decade prior to the last decade, like 2020. I think TNA only broke them. I think TNA only broke a million once. And that was the Hogan, Jeff Hardy show. Okay. Where they both debuted. I don't, I don't think it's anywhere. I think AEW is smoking TNA. Okay. No, no, I I was just asking. I, I I didn't know. Yeah. uh, Just for the sake of conversation. Uh, A little bit of news. Um, It has been announced that WrestleMania next year will be, here in Los Angeles. Oh, oh, the joy. Yeah, that sounds like a really fun time and, and cheap I, and affordable. Oh, yes. You will be paying three times as much to get half as much product. Uh, it will be in the new stadium that they're building out in Inglewood. Um, look, I know that the Lakers used to play at the forum in Inglewood. Inglewood's a dump. I don't care what anybody says. It, it, the the stadium's gonna be right across from Hollywood Park Casino, uh, which is you're supposed to say fabulous or some other adjective sketchy. before you describe any casino. So it's it's not Hollywood Park Casino. It needs to be something like fabulous Hollywood Park Casino, luxurious Choctaw slots. You got to make sure you put an adjective in front. That's true. We we've had a lot of indie wrestling run here especially because of bar wrestling um, in the past few, being able to go into Hollywood, into West Hollywood. Uh, I'll be interested to see some of these smaller promotions that they decide. What are they going to decide on? Are they going to decide on being central to everything? Because it's almost impossible. Look, if your way says 10 minutes or your Uber says it's a 10 minute ride at an hour, because that's what it's going to be. During this, or if they're gonna like run shows in like Downey and Southgate at like American Legion halls around there, 
or if they're going to because GCW Janela's promotion has run theaters in Hollywood bar wrestling has run Hollywood, but like rise and also bar wrestling have run shows in Southgate, which is near the ports and Downey, which is orange County, I believe, or South South Los Angeles County. Um, the only shows I know for certain that are going to be in Los Angeles proper are Raw, SmackDown, the Hall of Fame, and NXT TakeOver that weekend. All of those will be at Staples Center. Um, I will probably not go to this Mania Live. I just, I, I, I think I'd have to take the blue line to take transit down there, and I have no interest in taking the blue line. It's, I don't know. I, I liked Dallas. I liked Orlando because there were other things to do. I guess for some people, there are other things to do in Los Angeles. I can't think of any other than maybe Universal Studios, maybe Disneyland, which just went to $200 a day. That's so crazy. $200 a day? I think that's for the park hopper ticket for both both parks for like one day. But yes, $209 at Disneyland for that. My word. Happiest place on earth? I've been there. I just... I know if I had kids at some point, they'd probably want to go to Disneyland and I'd have to plan out that trip. And I, I would low-key hate every single moment of my day at that park after I paid that $209 per person to go into a friggin' amusement park. Like, I loved Orlando. I mean, I, I only went to one Disney park there. I went to Universal a couple days because that was cheaper, but uh, I, I went to the water park. Uh, yeah, I didn't Disney. go to Epcot. I would have liked to have gone to Epcot, hindsight being what it is. I meant for the mania. Um, yeah, so I guess, you know, if you want to stay two hours outside of L.A. and hang in Anaheim, I guess that would be cool. But, uh, yeah, they they love the big cities. I, I was kind of hoping they'd do Mania in Vegas before they did it in L.A., but I think they're going to go the other way around. I think Vegas is going to be the year after next, which should be it's at least fun for adults. I don't know about kids. Um, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Well, Vegas is actually not so bad for kids either. They have a lot of events and attractions at various hotels like Circus Circus that are very kid friendly. Just everything's going to have to beat Dallas for me in terms of centrally located stuff. I, that was such a great planned Having everything on the rail made it very, very affordable to get to all of the satellite shows. So the only thing you really had to worry about getting in and out from was Arlington on actual mania day, but the rest of the satellite satellite shows, you could just hop the train $5 or you could, well, I mean for, for like raw and SmackDown, you could, but like for the indie shows, if you stayed at the WrestleCon hotel, you had the shows in the hotel and then you had like two blocks to get to evolve, and uh, and those are all shine. off of the dart. Those were all at the K. Yeah. Billy Hutchinson okay. Center. Uh, so you just yeah. get off there and you walk about a block and a half and you were at those shows. So it was and the, an and, enjoyable and, yeah, weekend. And, the, and you didn't you spent the money on the wrestling, not on mm-hmm. traveling to get to Getting the wrestling around. and stuff. Yeah. And so that left you with more money to spend on wrestling. So for wrestling promoters, take note the money that I'm not spending on traveling and you can go, oh, that's great for the local economy. That's true. But for your bottom line, that's money I'm not spending at your show. And then NXT was at the convention center. Right. They right. hadn't even gotten to an arena yet. Yeah, no, no. Everything about I loved. Still my favorite. Still some of my favorite food. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, more news from WWE land. Uh, this Sunday's TakeOver will be the last event for Kathy Kelly. 
she is uh, moving on. I kind of had a rumbling about this because she had just relocated here to Los Angeles. It seems like that role on WWE television, the right way to approach it for any of the talent that goes in and occupies that role is this is a way to put together a demo reel for yourself for the next phase of your career. Because they're never, WWE is simply never going to think of the backstage interviewer as the next mean gene. There will never be another Mean Gene Okerlund type figure on like Raw or SmackDown again. So Kathy Kelly or the people who come before or after, they should go into that trying to do the best they can inside of the job and put together a nice little demo reel for yourself and plan on whatever's next. Well, Kathy is really, I mean, she doesn't get enough credit. She was really the first of these after buzz TV kids to get jobs in wrestling. Now, Johnny Quasto in NXT. Um Chrissy St. John, I believe was the name she was using. She was also from after buzz. Um, both of my friends, Josh and Steve have jobs in wrestling. Thanks to being on after buzz. So it's, it's one of those things where after buzz became kind of a pipeline for other things. And she is, she has what I like to call morning show host energy or entertainment news type stuff energy so she can come out here back out here get on any cable show or hosting gig or whatever have the perkiness fake sincerity and it's a little different charlie caruso to me has that kind of news slash new york energy yeah like sports anchor too you can see her yeah yeah that's why she's perfect on espn but kathy kelly to me is is you know, she she there there are certain people who I cannot do that job. I cannot fake sincerity in any way. So I can never be good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Today we're gonna try waffles being made by Chef Joe from the restaurant down the street. There would be such a you void know, in me that. at the end of those two hours every day. Like uh, ten a.m. to noon would just be like the black hole of my soul trying to reconstruct itself for Tuesday. Oh, it would be morning drive. It would be six to nine. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Would, we'd, we'd come on the air and I'd be like, I haven't had my coffee yet. <laughs> Wait until 730 when the caffeine's flowing. <laughs> Wizzle, wazzle, woozle, Jeff. And then after the show, I'm like. <laughs> my perky morning host would have to carry it while I'm taking a nap on the couch. On the set. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know what? I, I think. You know what? They have enough backstage interviewers where they'll be fine without Kathy. Yeah, yeah, and for Kathy's sure. Gonna, and she'll be fine too. And Kathy's gonna yeah. make bank. No, she's gonna make so much she's money. She's talented. She she's great. I, I you know, I, I what I don't want people to leave with the impression of oh, they could have done so much more with her. They could have, but like in that role, that's what you do in that role. In the uh in the world of strange things that they just decided to do. Apparently, Matt Hardy's segment on Raw was supposed to be his goodbye segment, and I really liked that segment That was actually Raw. good. That was one of the good moments of Raw. The promo was great. Him avoiding that first RKO, I thought, made him competent. Yes, yes, especially since the twist of fate is so similar to the RKO. Like, there was just a lot of stuff that made sense with that. I liked that moment, particularly. Well, they liked it so much that it's no longer a goodbye. Uh, he was offered a contract and he has, re- they've, re- they've rejected it for now, but, uh, Monday night, uh, Matt Hardy and Randy Orton are going to have a match. I assume they're going to write him off TV again with like a punt or a concerto again, just, to, just to hammer home that he's leaving this time. 
but it got such a good reaction, they decided to book a match over it. Well, it was a strong moment in a Raw that had a Monty Python skit as a wraparound. Oh, here we go. There's your segue, kids. Like a professional, Chris Novembrino's there. They introduced Shayna Baszler on Raw this week. <laughs> yes, they did. And they certainly... You, you might think, Jeff, that... Just presenting her as a very strong and dominant champion, even that initial appearance at Survivor Series, where she stood yes. tall over Becky Lynch. You would think, Jeff. That and Bailey. And Bailey, right? Yes, yeah. she demolished them both. She looked very, very strong. But but what you if we could ramp enough. it up? What, what if there, there was a way that we could turn this thing up to 11, so to speak? Chris, what's the hook here? Right. What's the character? Because ass kicker... We've had those before. We had Ronda Rousey from the world of MMA. What could we do? What if she was Dracula? To really make this a moment. I'm just saying, (laughs) what if she was Dracula? (laughs) And yes, so she bit Becky's spine. (laughs) Neck area. The nape, I think they call yeah, it. Yeah, you could call one could typify it as the nape. And the blood was flowing. Oh, <laughs> and I mean, she had it, blood maybe all over her mouth. It, it was it was hard to watch, Jeff. And then Becky just decides, <laughs> you know what? Tis but a flesh wound. No, like we need to cover some of the forced like agonized expletives that she was throwing out there. All, all of the she Jesus. She bit my friggin' she neck. She bit my friggin' <laughs> neck. I can walk it off. It's just a flesh wound. Just a flesh wound. This was some all-time <laughs> bad acting. Yeah, Becky, for being the former drama student at Columbia College that she was. Um, <laughs> I would just delete that, from the res- yeah, I would delete that from the resume from uh, this conversation. There, there was no, uh, there was no Renee Zellweger Oscar coming her way for this one, and then they decided to book her as badass Becky, who's gonna carjack an ambulance, drive off, and come back. <laughs> what in the hell, guys? My joke was, oh, they're gonna make a monster stable. They're gonna have Shane as Dracula. You're gonna have Ember Moon as the werewolf. And and maybe uh, Becky now gets to be Tamina a zombie. As the mummy. Tamina as the mummy. <laughs> Bigfoot. And uh, it only took one day for a Becky the Vampire Slayer joke to be make its way onto WWE social media or the bomb or whatever the thing they did it as. So they may go hard. I hope they're not going hard into she's a vampire thing. I hope it was just she wanted to bite somebody to intimidate them. But I could see Vince taking a look at Shane and going, look at that dark makeup and the black leather. She looks like a vampire because they kind of did the same stuff with Alistair Black when he first came in with the sound of the coffin and coming up and <laughs> all, all that other, uh, other stuff. It's just for some reason, Vince, the movie mogul comes out and goes, what's the hook for this kid? Who, who is she in this picture? You know, smoking this giant stogie. I got it. She's going to bite Becky's neck. <laughs> Just like, oh, now it might be Heyman. I, I don't want to put this all. This might be a Heyman idea because look, Paul Heyman, for all the credit he gets booking stuff, had wacky ideas as well. 
He had to do ECW on sci-fi. So he's had to deal with these types of things before. He's had vampires and blood and other things, but I just I thought this was a huge miss. What did you think? Oh no, I loved it, Jeff. It was great. Nothing nothing has ever <laughs> made me more attached to the Becky Lynch character or her struggle. I mean, truly she is the man. This was the night that that happened. you know that was so sarcastic i couldn't even think of something to top it that (laughs) was just and and this becky character just continues to be (laughs) it's just a mess from week to week and i get that people like this chapter or that chapter of the becky lynch story but it doesn't sum up together to mean anything so far Becky Badass just comes off as a jerk. And yeah, I, I, she's I, you kind know. of unlikable as Becky Badass. Yeah, and, and I know that's how they like their heroes, is badass lone wolf types. But it's more than that. Like, she defeats Asuka, but she's so smug and so arrogant against Asuka, who worked as a heel throughout that entire feud, that it made you feel some level of narrative sympathy for Asuka, even though Asuka was being helped by Kyrie Sane throughout those matches. There's just something that's not hitting here with her as a fan favorite character, at least for me. And then there's no continuity. I think she's fine as a fan favorite character. It's the stone cold Becky Lynch character. That's the issue. Well, there's also no authority for her to be rebelling against his stone cold. Like I'm not saying bring back the authority, but stone cold. Steve Austin is very much a product of the Vince McMahon as boss character. And it doesn't work without Vince or the corporation or some like overarching power group that stone cold can be rebelling against. This this was an introduction that was so strong. I don't think you need like Adam Pierce coming out. I agree. I don't want an on-screen authority figure, but there has to be some authority who goes, "Look, this is outside the bounds of what professional wrestling should be. We need to make a comment on kind of like what they did with Baron Corbin on SmackDown with the quote-unquote suspension and fine. It's just it's a little it's a little too <laughs> It's a little too much by half. Um, and I felt the same way a little bit about the, uh, um, actually, actually I had three things for well, Raw. I'm, I'm with I you. No, no, yeah, real quickly. I'm with you on that. I think that this angle would work and play differently and is much more viable in the land of opportunity iteration of SmackDown that was around a couple few years ago with Shane and Daniel Bryan. Drew McIntyre and MVP. Your opinion. That was also a bit weird. Yeah. I don't know why it was weird because after two weeks of MVP getting nostalgia cheers. Him going hard heel all of a sudden him going in the hard middle heel. of that promo. Yeah. It was very forced. And, I, th- you know, he's just there. It's weird because this, this Drew McIntyre build is cannibalize what we can cannibalize right now because they've already <laughs> they, they've done it with mojo and and riddick moss who is inexplicably now on the yeah, main roster champion riddick moss thank you champion very much riddick moss and now they've done it with mvp who um you know he had announced he had done his last match but i guess they found some usage of him on the talk show everybody gets a talk show 
on WWE. Circuit. Well, I like it, the it idea just, of him as a manager. We talked about that on the last episode. I did, yeah, yeah. So I, I haven't changed my opinion on that. It's just... But they're not going this to. This is a weird the, introduction just, of him yeah. as that type of talking character, and I think they could have done that much more smoothly. And actually, I think a great role for him would be as a general manager. It was His intro was just, he comes in, he goes, I want to thank you all. I've had my last match at WWE. Oh, and I'm still better than all of you. I'm just like, what? Everybody wanted to cheer him. And then he just goes heel on, on the crowd. And the Drew McIntyre thing, it's working for some people. It's its completely sports entertainment. The countdown to the Claymore kick, I think, is its hokey, but in WWE, that kind of stuff works. So I don't I know if I can really like if the kids rebel against like it. it. I like it. Yeah. You know, it's not that I like it objectively, but I also try to put myself in the you know, the feet of the kids here a little bit and think about it in their shoes. And if they like it, cool, you know? Yeah, I'm 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 completely lukewarm over it, but if he beats Brock, it'll he's be great. He's a good promo. I think he's a great talker. Yeah. I think he's a charismatic guy. I think he's very likable and he's a good baby face. I just there's something so outlandish to invoke a different wrestler uh about the Drew McIntyre baby face character that it's like I'm waiting for him to turn on me at any point because he's doing it so over the top. He's really laying it on yeah, thick. Yeah, you know what he's done is he's hammed it up. He's hammed up these stale promos that they have to the point where you think this is actually – he's actually having fun with it. And if there was a note I was going to give to Ricochet, Ricochet needs to go to the Al Pacino school of acting right now. Hoo-ah! Because his – I mean, just go over the top with it to make us think you have some sort of per- investment in the words you're saying. No, now. I kind of like that. Same like the Nick Cage thing. I think he'd actually be better. Yeah, just totally overacting because there's something about Ricochet where it does. F- I'm going to go out there and show them that superheroes are real. I, yeah, I think he should nah, also no, maybe even go- lean into a little bit crazy. I, Al Pacino yeah. is a good energy. Nick Cage, good energy for him to be kind of trying to tap into. I mean, almost be Bray Wyatt children's television show host endearing about the superhero stuff because he's just coming off as flat here. That's the other thing, too. The rhetoric around, oh, we're like real life comic book characters and stuff. They just have all these stock lines that you've heard different wrestlers say, like that the lines travel from wrestler to wrestler and they don't mean anything. Look, they're stupid, but but at the same time. I could see they're giving him the note, play this real, play this yes. straight, and yeah, he should rebel against true. it. He should rebel against it, and he should play the back of the room. He's allowed to do that. I, I know I rail on some people doing that, like the McMahons are, you're fired, you know, whatever stuff. But Ricochet's a guy, he's the exception to my note. There's always an exception to every acting note you give somebody. He's the exception. He needs to show us something if we're going to have any interest in this bronze or not Braun Strowman, Brock Lesnar feud. Um, going to SmackDown. Uh, you did not see SmackDown, but uh, I'll I'll just tell I, you the I blame result that of on match. NXT. Uh, NXT left me burnt out to the point where I couldn't do SmackDown this week. <laughs> Sheamus, in a two-on-one match, defeated Chad Gable and Apollo Cruz. Oh, in a follow-up from last week's ridiculous angle where Sheamus stood tall where, over where he, where, Gable and Cruz. Over Apollo Crews and beat up Gable when Gable came to make the save. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's 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 even more ridiculous than your big star going into Mania beating a tag team. 
It's a heel overcoming the odds of two smaller baby faces and just saying, don't invest in either of these guys. I just, I could not believe it. God. What a what a waste of a easy TV storyline too, where you could actually have Sheamus bite off more than he can chew here in this match. He loses this match, and then over the next couple of weeks here, he tries to get back the the W by having singles matches against Cruz and Gable and running into more resistance. There's like an interesting TV level storyline that you could tell here. And the sad part is, it came after the first quarter of the of the two hour show that was quite good. That focused on Bailey and Carmella, and I thought they had a really good match. I I was really, I, I'm I'm almost hesitant to say it was Carmella's best match, but I've seen Carmella have a really good match at one point, so I'm not. The sure. way you've been talking about this match, it feels like a bit of a coming out party for her, or like what one would typify as a coming out party if this was a little bit earlier on in Carmella's oh, career. I will, I will put it this way, Bailey made her look fantastic. She was she was keeping her safe on the dive spots. They, she did a top rope hurricanrana on Bailey where Bailey had her solidly there so she could perform that so she wasn't going to fall. Bailey sold like a champ for her. Um, I'm going to put over Bailey a lot in this match because she, I mean, as a heel, as a babyface, she is the workhorse of this division, so she is supposed to be able to carry people through these types of things. And it appears that because of the advertising kind of tipped the hand here of Super Showdown, Bailey's going to be wrestling in Saudi Arabia. And next week is a match between Carmella and Naomi to see who wrestles Bailey in Saudi Arabia. This is the part where it gets ridiculous for me, Chris. In a fatal four-way last week, Carmella super kicked Naomi twice and pinned her. To get this match. They're building up Naomi as Bailey's never beaten me, but Naomi hasn't won a match yet on this roster. Yeah, her introduction <laughs> has been very, very weak. I, I would have had yeah. her beating like NXT level heel talents like Dana Brooke, yeah, Dana Brooke Deanna Perrazzo even. <laughs> yeah, just getting her fired up again. And getting people pumped for the entrance because so much of the energy around a Naomi match comes from that entrance and that really, you know strong, but put a lot of energy and effort and money into making that entrance really cool because that's what got her over last time. But the story is she had Bailey's never beaten me, but it's like, you're not at that level where you deserve a title shot. It's going to be interesting. Um, Aunt Pam is the best. Everybody knows. I love her. Uh, Good luck to her in Saudi Arabia. (laughs) Um, but Naomi and Carmella wrestling one-on-one to see who gets a shot at Bailey is somewhat ridiculous, especially, I mean, Bailey cheated Carmella out during this match, put foot on the ropes for the win. It seems obvious to me they should go back to Carmella and that they're saving Naomi for WrestleMania and you just keep Naomi away and you have her get a lot of wins and then you build the match for Mania if you don't. It, it might be a revisitation of Carmella. I can think of reasons why that might occur. Or it could also just be a circular way. We're just wasting time till Sasha comes back and Sasha turns on Bailey. And that's the match at Mania somehow through the elimination chamber. I mean, I could see because they're also next week doing this big sit down with Lacey Evans. So Sasha's going to turn on Bailey and become face out of all of this. What it leads me to believe is that they're setting up four or five challengers for Bailey that she's going to have to fight in the elimination. Okay, chamber. Sure, I think sure. that's what's going on here. Um, 
but yeah, we'll see uh, see how Aunt Pam does on the big stage. I'm excited for her as the quote unquote opportunity. I don't exactly like the idea of her going over there, but uh, you know, just because of the culture of Saudi Arabia and whatnot. But uh, you know, it, it's what they want to do, and she's agreed to do it's it. It's the contract crazy. that Vince signed, and they're doing it, and she yeah. agreed to do it. So it's uh, it's if they're giving her more money, I'm never gonna fall. Risky that. business. Me, you know, uh, given the last trip, that's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, so as we alluded to at the beginning of the show, TakeOver Portland is in our sights. Do we want to go into our preview? In our sights, but more importantly, th- Jeff, in our hearts. In our <laughs> Is there anything on NXT UK you wanted to hit on? Uh, okay, so I enjoy the Gallus Boys stuff. Um, Aoife Valkyrie, you know who she reminds me of? It's the female version of Ilya Dragunov. Oh, there's my package. I'll be right back. You Jeff's got a package, so I'm going to kind of go on a little bit here while Jeff's handling the package. So Eva Valkyrie got introduced this week. She had a match against Amale, who is a – or Emile. I, I don't know how to say her name. We've seen her a couple of times here on NXT UK. Kind of like her, kind of interesting, different look or whatever. Mm-hmm. Eva Valkyrie comes in and does – very Ilya Dragunov style offense. Very Ilya Dragunov style mannerisms around the ring, over gesticulates, and even though this match was three minutes and thirty seconds, uh, that's what the time says here on my sheet. Uh, this match felt overly competitive, and she should have just blown yes. through Amale. And instead, yes. there were actually points where the crowd was like not sure whose side to be on, and it felt like they were actually cheering up Amelie to get her back on her feet. They were exchanging holds and stuff, and Amelie had... We haven't seen her do much, um, but she had the jobber's entrance. As she was already in the corner of the ring, and they just briefly flashed the placard. She didn't even get the walk down to the ring entrance here, so we should have seen Eva Valkyrie's couple of quick early flurry offense moves, maybe a suplex or two, set up move, go home with the pin. This should have been over in a minute 30 to two minutes, and instead it hung around for nearly four. When you introduce a heel, you can have him cut a pro- him or her cut a promo, get the heat, have the sacrificial lamb of the opponent, get some offense on that heel to make it seem like this heel is a goof. And then the heel comes back, makes a comeback, beats the, beats the uh, preliminary talent, and that's how you intro him or her. For a baby face, you want the introduction. Here's why you should care about him or her, and just have them run through their opponent to show you what they can do, to show you that they're serious, and to show you that they're a they're a contender. That's all you have to do. I agree. Showed way way too much defense on on this on this introduction i didn't like her offense i i no, hate- she doesn't feel like a world beater at all coming out from this match and part of that is the blocking and the booking of the match but part of that is the actual delivery of the performer in her offense it didn't sparkle it didn't dazzle that finisher she's gonna she's gonna blow out her knee doing that finisher the way she does it the the, the single leg um uh, Scissor kick from 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 the ropes oh yeah or that's right yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah for sure for yeah, yeah quad tear or something at some point I yeah I, I don't love that as a steady let's do it all the time move yeah and and it, it looks like she's only given a glancing blow on that thing too yeah the only other thing loved the Zach Gibson promo with the exception hey hey Zach 
you know we love you here at Shake Them Ropes. Was the dig at the hunt was that necessary? I I it was upsetting. It was I upsetting. Mean, okay, actually the one my one upsetting. critique uh, on, on a more serious note here, m- even more serious than the note that you just put us on, uh, is that they forgot to do the little beat in all of this where James Drake's about to speak or say something and gets cut off from doing so. And I, and I think that, <laughs> oh, the, the- that needs to be a recurring motif that he, he always is, he's echoing happily along with Gibson and it's about to be his turn to speak. And like sometimes Gibson cuts him off. Some other people interrupt him, but that needs to be a recurring theme. Keep snubbing Drake. Oh, Oh, you've had a tag. You've had that in the history of wrestling. You've had tag team champions get over like that because that's the exact way. One of my favorite teams, the Destruction Crew, aka they they were later known as the Beverly Brothers in in the WWF. But uh, the Destruction Crew that was their entire gimmick. Mike Enos would start to talk, and Wayne Bloom would go, "I got this one, Mike," and he would just talk the entire time. And Mike Enos would never get a word in edgewise. It was fantastic. Uh, Google some of those interviews. They're 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 great. But yeah, no, I, I would love that. I would absolutely and if that becomes the onus of them breaking up, even better. Yeah, they've teased that a few times. I, I just think they need to go into that even more. Dave Mastiff versus Saxon Huxley. I thought that of the two enhancement matches, this was better. Saxon Huxley in those boots, because they are so lifted, looks ridiculous. He looks like a member of KISS. He looks like he's gained some weight. He though. does. Yeah, no, he's, he's sized um, in terms up. Of mus- no, he's sized up, and I yeah. like that. I, I think that given that he's sized up, he can actually probably remove the lifts and feel even bigger in the ring, even if he's less tall. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I wish they wouldn't have referred to his prior gimmick on here, or at least what they're doing. They, 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 he doesn't have the book anymore. But they're still kind of referring to him in this hippie. He's on his walkabout. Um, I, I, I mean, they've kind of gone new age. Well, the walkabout thing, yeah, that is, new age crap. Uh, I mean, that's a little bit like Australian survivalist thing too. You know, like that in yeah, North America. As, that's more as, like I'm going out to the woods and I'm going camping or like hiking the Appalachians or something. Not hiking the Appalachian Trail, but hiking the Appalachians. <laughs> he wasn't as big a, a geek as he as he was in prior uh, prior incarnations where we mocked him. So uh, I, I'll take this version of him and and if he continues to gain some muscle mass he's tall enough where he could actually they could reintroduce him as something and this was a good pairing for mastiff as he's trying to get built up into that upper tier of the car this was a, a good guy for mastiff to break down he broke him down relatively quickly it was it, this is a similar length match but mastiff was very much in control of this maybe a little over the top at the end of the match with all the walter thing like i we get it we get it we you want to fight walter but but message delivered and i thought that that was effective let's move on to portland Shall do you we? want you don't want to talk about the gallus boys at the end of the show here uh, I thought they were good. Yeah, yeah, I, no, I, I just really I liked me. having a little Gallus segment here at the end of the show, and I I liked the main event. I thought uh, Gallus versus Lorkin and Birch was a good TV oh, yeah. main event. Oh no, Lorkin and Birch are are solid in everything, and um, you know I I like Gallus. I I think I think this show is very Gallus heavy though right now, and I thought we were gonna get back off of that when they when Joe Coffee lost to Imperium. 
but it feels like Gallus is, is still the major thing on wh- the major heel group on which everything revolves around. Right? Yeah, it's weird. Gallus has the Ilya Dragunov storyline and also kind of has this thing kicking around with like Lorcan and Birch or others. I mean, I, I think at some point we might have Lorcan, Birch and Dragunov versus Gallus, which is actually a good TV main event that I, that I could look forward to here. Uh, but it does feel like so much of that is at the expense of like, we're not really telling great Imperium tales. What, who did uh, Wolf talk to this week? Oh, um, Alexander, Alexander Wolf talked to uh, Travis Banks. Yeah, right, right, right. Okay, so like, I mean, that's sort of the cannibalization uh, here a little bit. Is, <laughs> Imperium is dealing with Travis Banks. And then at the same time, you kind of have this, uh, I'll, I'll make mention of the other segment that crossed my mind when you mentioned that was the... Uh, Tony Storm signs a contract for an I quit match versus Kaylee Ray. But she, she just completely t- snubbed our boy St- Sid Scala. And that, that upset me. That was mean. She's just right now. This is feels like mega heel versus person who wants to be a heel match. So I don't. Uh, She's going heel at the I end of this match. In, I'm telling you. I don't have, yeah, I don't have anything invested in Tony Storm because I'm already ahead of the story. And I don't understand why I should sympathize with her if she never gets another title shot again, if she quits. Particularly in the way that she blew past the warning. And I get it. You want to have a heel or someone arrogant, someone not really fully assessing all the risks, do that. But, like, it works so much better for the sake of the match if Tony's at least in a different emotional space going into the match. Concerned about it. And then after if the match, you turn her, and then you make her a heel. And she doesn't have a chance at the title anymore. Like that all makes perfect sense at that point. But they've yeah. they've gotten ahead of the story here, and they've already made her mm-hmm. unsympathetic going into this I Quit match. Right. You you needed to you needed to lay off the thing with Piper Niven. You is what you need to see do her get what she's gonna what she deserves for being so hubristic in rushing into this yes. match, which is not a great place yes. to be. You want you want to see Kaylee Ray show her what real evil is and, and make her quit. Yeah, it, it's such a weird, it's a weird dynamic in this story where where it's just like you want to see the good guy, quote unquote, get beat. <laughs> and you also anticipate that the good guy's not the good guy, and you don't even feel like the good guy's the good guy right now. But you also know that the bad guy's definitely the bad guy. I worry about the heat level for that match. If that match is very long. And I feel like it seems like they want that match to be long. And so I do have concerns about that match's execution. I I would agree. Ah, So Portland, let's do it. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit of Portland. And I guess also talk a little bit of this go home show too. The first of the Sunday night NXT takeovers happening tomorrow evening time of a usual wwe pay-per-view i hate this i liked my takeovers on either saturday or wednesday nights back in the day yeah wednesday was really fun it made the week really exciting like oh man i can't wait to watch takeover in the middle of the week here and then you had this great pay-per-view quality often better than network event quality show that you had to look forward to i really loved the initial format of takeover I believe we have six matches on our night. I did not count. I kind of have our. Uh, I have my preview from Voices of Wrestling. According I'll to Wikipedia, who is never wrong about anything, trusted source. There are six matches on this card. 
Okay, so let's start with the NXT North American Championship. Keith Lee, the champion, fighting Dominic Dijakovic. Chris, I will defer to you on the analysis of this first one. I think one. this will be a good, scrappy match, but I do not anticipate a title change. I anticipate a match where Keith Lee retains and Dominic Dijakovic and Keith Lee hug it out, and there's a show of mutual respect. Keith Lee is going to win this, but this feels like the only feud Keith Lee has ever had in two years of being in NXT is Dominic Dijakovic. Which is why I think they have to end it here. I think they do want to make this the final chapter. And don't get me wrong. They're always great. I watched their match in Evolve a couple years ago in Orlando. I watched their match live in PWG where they tore the house down. They are going to have a fantastic match. I just don't think anybody sees Dominic Dijakovic as winning this thing. So people are going to be ahead of it and waiting for the inevitable. You're going to see these guys fly like cruiserweights. It's going to be great. I kind of want more of a Haas match than I think I'm going to get. But yeah, I, I just, I want Keith Lee to now have a real feud with somebody yeah, else. Yeah, and him I'm, and Dominic Dijakovic of... need to just be running mates, stinging Lex Luger, super pals that help each other yes. out on TV all the time. You love watching them work together and they turn in great tag team matches occasionally in the tag team title hunt. But yeah, no, I, I think we need to just, Sting let... and Lex need to hug it out now. Yeah, let them be the guys. They're, they're, they're the two big guys on the roster who win. Okay, the Undisputed Era, four of them jump Keith Lee. Well, now you're in trouble because now you have to have a tag match between myself and Dominic Dijakovic versus two of your guys. And let's see how you handle that. that that's what I want. I want them to be the twin towers of NXT. And I want them to, and, but I want them to be separate, but they come together when you really need an ass whooping. And that's what I want. Right. That's right. What I, want. Yeah. I don't they want know, them to turn no, on no, each no, other. No, because they have to watch again. each other's back and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, up next we have the street fight versus Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox. I absolutely howled on this go home show when Beth Phoenix said the words straight faced. Um, Knox and Kai will finally clash when they had just fought last week and Tegan Knox had won. I don't understand this bill at all. These two should have been kept away from each other because they wanted to rip out each other's throats. You have Candice LeRae stuck in here and in, in the go-home show against Dakota Kai. Knox doesn't really feel built for this match. Correct. <laughs> um, I think this is this is going to be the another, another case of the build sucked, but it's going to be a fun match. They're both good friends with each other, and we know good friends tend to lay it in a little bit stiff. Um, but I think they have to find a way to get these two away from each other in this match. And I think there's going to be an introduction of a third party for Tegan Knox to feud with and Dakota Kai wins. I could also see Candice LeRae getting involved again in this match. because She has a beef with Dakota Kai and helping Tegan do it to move on. But it's going to be one of those things where the finish doesn't match the commentary in some way, and they're just going to drop this. Yeah, I think Kai comes out the winner here because you want to have heels coming out strong so they can face Rhea Ripley, who's still, I think, a face. 
like for the purposes is she a face like i'm confused by the bianca thing well, yeah, yes yeah. she yeah. she's she's a face but she's a brand loyalist yeah <laughs> <laughs> that most beloved of figures next uh let's do the undisputed era versus the broserweights uh, th- these broserweights video packages are not landing with me i don't know about you uh i liked it i got to i got to admit i liked it it's 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 gone through the looking glass of being stupid to being funny to me. Uh, I will tell you this though, Chris. I uh, I loved your idea. I I absolutely adored your idea of this being a bookmark on NXT Takeover New Orleans, and having Pete Dunne cost somebody a tag team championship. But it's not going to no. happen. They're going with the wacky. No, they, They're going with yes, the wacky. And, and they, I think they eventually want to do the off-ramp of Pete Dunne never really bought into Riddle's zany antics, and he will eventually be the heel. But, like, no, they're going much, much further with this storyline. We have we have some juice to squeeze out of this one, so we're going to need uh, wacky hijinks with the tag belts. I still think the Broserweights win this one. But... Um, yeah, no, I, I think they do. I think we are... Into the collapse of the Undisputed Era as the the top faction. But it feels really ho-hum. Like, Keith Lee got that belt off of Roderick Strong, and that that really has felt like a bit of an afterthought. And I I do think that Fish and O'Reilly are going to lose their belts here, too. Right, and then kind of the story going into Mania becomes... Can Adam Cole maintain the prophecy or whatever? But yeah, I think the Broserweights win here. I mean, they get to celebrate with the specific Northwest crowd. I think there might be smoking involved Hell after the match. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> but yeah, they're they're uh, they're going to go hard into the uh, the Mister Hand slash Jeff Spicoli road trip stuff. Then we get. Finn Balor versus Johnny Gargano uh, to build up to this match this week. Cameron Grimes was cannibalized in a good match against Johnny Gargano, but this this match should be big. Yeah, this match should feel more important. Boy, this right? Match he, feel- he's Johnny. He's like the heart and soul of NXT, and this just it doesn't. Finn Balor on NXT in the reintroduction here has felt very lost in the shuffle. They haven't had enough heat on the promos building up to this after Johnny came back. The whole Johnny becomes kind of a heel type thing. They've never really gotten past that because they keep on having him connected to Tommaso Ciampa in some ways. He should have been out here cutting promos about how he's the face of the... I mean, this is the time to bring out your face of the brand dumb stuff that that they've been doing. This should feel like Oh my God, I can't believe we're getting the best guy from NXT of this generation and the best guy from NXT of a previous generation. And even that sit down last week felt stale as hell. I don't think Finn Balor's brought it as a heel here. No. He's, he hasn't been around long enough to do anything and he hasn't really said anything other than I'm going to take your heart. Which, the promos are weak, yeah. but even more weak is just Finn Balor as a heel doesn't do a whole lot of heelish stuff outside of when he attacks people outside of the ring, like around the edges of the ring. 
Like he attacks with a heelish aggression, but his storylines and stuff have not really accentuated him, you know, just attacking like a guy like Bronson Reed or something backstage. He's he's a lone wolf heel and it, it just, it doesn't, it's hard to get a lot of heat on that sense. when you have the undisputed era who are the pack of wolves who are at the top of the mountain. I mean, he really needs a Balor club right, is right. what he needs. And then Gargano can go through all those guys to get to Finn eventually. And, you know, they can take out Gargano and certain vignettes and things of that. It's just been it. This should be I mean, but this is a lot of Gargano's run in NXT as well as great matches, not necessarily great feuds. Like you remember the Andrade match at Rumble a couple years ago was match of the year quality that had kind of been forgotten by the end of the year because of the greatness of the, of the Champa feud. This, that's what this is going to be. This is going to be a great, great match that I think eventually will be forgotten by a better feud somewhere down the road for one of these two. Yeah, I should hope so with both of them, honestly, because this is not a very good feud. Up next, Rhea Ripley defends her NXT championship in the women's division versus Bianca Belair. Allow me for a moment here, Chris. This entire couple months of planning this thing, it feels like it got ruined and they went ahead with it anyways. Because it feels like we were never supposed to know about the Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley match at Mania until after this takeover. And instead... What we got was we kind of thought Charlotte would come out and call out Rhea Ripley after Rumble. The problem is we've built up Bianca Belair as this monster in the Rumble. And now we can't put the rocket to her or do anything great with her just yet because we have plans for somebody else. And this has happened in the WWE a couple of times. This has happened with, you know, it happened with Roman Reigns famously when everybody wanted, wanted Daniel Bryan to be a star it happened with Braun Strowman when they weren't quite ready to push him to the top just yet because he was still kind of green. It happened with Dean Ambrose after the breakup of the Shield when he should have been pushed, but they didn't know what to do with him. But he was popular, so they wanted to keep him out there, so they made him a prop comic. I am of the opinion that even though they've done the standard Heel gets gets the beats up the champ, leaves her laying, so that means Bianca Belair is going to lose. I think they have to make this Charlotte match a three way, kind of like they made the first women's title match a three way at Mania, and she's the Becky Lynch of this group. She's going to be inserted into this Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte feud to lose that match. So this one has to be a no contest in some way. Interesting. So maybe Charlotte comes down and interrupts the match. I think so. Okay. That would not shock me. All right. Me. All right. That wouldn't shock me. And that would maybe establish Charlotte as the solid heel going into Mania, which is the best fit, I think. And you can have Rhea yeah. and Bianca as tweener slash leaning towards babyface level characters. Well, Rhea's going to be the badass right. babyface right. mosh pit kid. Bianca is going to be Bianca. Bianca has a and badass Bianca's quality always... about her. It's it's different, obviously, than yeah. Rhea's badass quality for sure, right? Yeah but, yeah, but like there's a badass energy about Bianca for sure. Oh, yeah. 
Oh God, I loved her promo. Yeah, no, she's great. I, I know. Her, I, her I, promo was fantastic. I'm more excited about her talking and her as champion than I am about Rhea as champion. Rhea's got a great look, but her character is kind of you know, and her promos are kind of eh, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm waiting for them to go the next step with this Bianca stuff because she hasn't had, she hasn't had a match that was great. I mean, the War Games, she was great in it. But in terms of a singles match, since her coming out during the first May Young Classic, where she really showed, you know, she was she was she was doing like gorilla slams, but also doing flips off the right, top, right? You know, and and then whipping people with the hair. I, I'm waiting for kicks. that, Bianca. Yes, I'm waiting for that, and I want that to be this match. And I'm hoping it. Yeah, is. I, I think but, Rhea Ripley uh, gives Bianca a larger person to work with too, where she can use more of that heavy duty offense too. So I, I'm, I'm excited you know, about the, this. The match against... should be a good match, but the, the problem here, as you were saying, is that the story has gotten ahead of the match yes. and you now kind of are anticipating either something schmozzy or Bianca loses. I have to go with schmozzy. I mean, I hated the way that the Shayna match ended. With, with with Bianca too. I think I think it's having Bianca lose, there's nothing to be gained in that. There really isn't. You can't put that over on commentary anymore because she's already lost to Shayna Baszler. There's a way of Clean. framing the Shayna Baszler loss as her remaining undefeated, like in her heart or whatever, but they completely missed that trolley. And so to end it, uh Tommaso Ciampa versus Adam Cole for the NXT championship. Uh very good promo by Tommaso Ciampa. Yeah, here. absolutely. Uh, to end it, that that kind of uh, got me fired up for this match. I just think th- this whole Portland card feels like it's it's kind of going to be storytelling to set up for the big mania. It's like uh, the NXT takeover. Elimination Chamber. It, it should yeah. be something theoretically I'm more excited about, but because I know mania is coming up on the calendar here, I know that... NXT is not going to shock me at this card. And I actually think that that's why they should. Right. I just don't see them giving the title to Ciampa. I don't. I think they're going to make it a moment. They're going to make it a moment at the next takeover, or it's very possible that Tommaso Ciampa is just a transitional story to get Velveteen Dream into the big match at takeover um, Tampa. So either way, I don't see Champa winning this title. It would shock me if he did, but I think they got to play up a little bit more of his self-doubt slash driven to win back what was rightfully his more than they've done in the past couple. Yeah, I think maybe what happens here is the undisputed lose the tag team titles and then the other yeah. three guys are all in on making sure they hold some of the gold at the end of the night, and they really screw over Tommaso Ciampa hard here. Yeah, I, I just don't. I just don't see Ciampa. No, I, I don't either. Uh, although I, an interesting kind of secondary storyline would be to have the Undisputeds lose all the gold here, and then have them on the quest to get back the gold at WrestleMania. But I don't think that's where they're going. Yeah, I think it's probably going to be more Adam Cole denig- accidentally denigrating Roddy and and. Uh, Fish and O'Reilly as guys who can get, and that becomes kind of the uh, transition into breaking. The right. Nose, and uh, that creates, that will happen. I think when Velveteen dream 
gets introduced into the undisputed storyline. He starts getting into all of their heads, as we saw a little bit of this week here on NXT. But we'll see what happens. You can follow me at Crap Game 13. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. Uh, Chris, what else you got going on this Don't week? Worry About the Government is a wonderful show. Go and download it at Don'tWorry.tv. Subscribe to it on iTunes and Stitcher. Um, that is my home base. That is where I spend most of my time and what I spend most of my time working on. My other show is the All in the Family podcast. I keep saying there will be new episodes. There probably will be, though, uh, at some point this week because I finished editing all the Don't Worry About the Governments, and now we're just on to editing All in the Family. So check that out at the All in the Family podcast.com. I believe the music of the Matt episode dropping this week will be the episode I recorded on Thursday night with Andrew Rich going over themes that Dusty Rhodes used at one time or another in Crockett, which is a fascinating talk. It will also answer the question for you. Who exactly is Arch Bacon, which is a fantastic name. Uh, But yeah, look for that on the Voices of Wrestling feed and uh, we'll see you next week. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.